and we're going to get to this last part, but after popular and accepted or outcast and rejected, we all belong in Christ here. This is what I came up with. This is my one line. You think I can do it? Okay. It is in Christ that we begin here as a new creation in the beloved. We are the beloved of God, habitually hungry and constantly thirsty for righteousness, which is to say fairness, equity, and right relationship with all things. We are God's workmanship, God's own masterwork, a work of art created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which God set so that we could walk in them, living the good life which God prearranged and made ready for us. In Christ, we are dead to sin. That means to say our relationship to it is broken and alive to God, living in unbroken fellowship with God. We are chosen by God who called us out of the darkness of sins that means my disillusioned life of not knowing who I am in God and translated me into the light of life in Christ all parts of me are holy hey all parts of me are holy hey all parts of me are holy and without blame before God in love I have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding the very peace that God has say it with me I have the very peace that God has I have I am merciful hey I do not judge myself or others and I forgive myself and others quickly as I do this by God's grace my life is blessed and becomes a blessing. My God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I can do whatever I need to do through life in Christ. Everything that I do in life, God gives me strength. I am alive in Christ. I am free from the law of sin and death. With the spirit of God, I am far from oppression and will not live in fear. I am complete in God whom I yield, who is for over all voices in my head. Hey, over all the voices in my head over all the voices in my head and who is the authority over every angelic and earthly power. And so I see more clearly now that it is like this. It is Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise. So the illusion of separateness from God or anything else will not drive this life. In imitation of the extravagant love God has for each of us and all of us. Let us live and love the best we can by putting people first and labels second. Let it be. So I, where was that verse at? <laughs> yeah, Bonnie won one. <laughs> Y'all may be seated. <laughs> well, that was awesome and unexpected, and I believe it woke us up a little bit, right? Thank you for that, Pastor Bonnie. Now for some quick announcements. Parenting workshop. Who all was at the parenting workshop yesterday? I heard it was awesome and amazing. The next one is not on there. June 4th, that's right. June 4th. April, where is April at? You want to stand up, wave your hand. If you want to talk about the parenting workshop, see April. I heard it was was really, really good. May 4th is the, or June 4th is the next one. Oh, no, Memorial Day. No service next Sunday. Next Sunday, we spend time with our family, sleep in, and do the, you know, the, what do we do, though? red, white, and blue, and hamburgers, and hot dogs, or whatever. 
So no service next Sunday. The following soldiers, that's right. <laughs> oh, House Church, House Church Pride 2022. All right, we have a place in the parade now. We're going to pass out water, walk a ride. Uh, we need help with a float. Anybody interested in building a float or something like that or have ideas? Yep, Bonnie's taking names. Anybody who wants to help facilitate that, make that, or decide what we're going to do, we have registered, we have a booth. And the great thing is we have T-shirts coming. Do they look like this? I don't even know. I don't think so. Cool. That is awesome. $25 for our T-shirts. And what it is, we've already paid to be in the parade and stuff like that. And the T-shirts, selling the T-shirts kind of recoups all that kind of stuff. We did get uh, money donated last week to help with all of it. But aren't the T-shirts cool? I am ready. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. So anybody, any ideas or want to help, want to pass out stuff, want to if even if we do don't do a float, if we're going to get a truck and walk behind the truck or ride in the truck or something like that. It'll be fun. Oh, this is great. I love this one too. Sunday, July 17th, baptisms and conscious commitment ceremony. That is going to be an awesome time. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and more details to come with that. Whether it's your first time being baptized or it's something that maybe you want to recommit or whatever or start over. It's going to be that time for that for you, whether you want to or physically go down or just in your seat to everybody type thing. It's going to be a great, a great day. All right. Now, this is another great time. Grace and peace. Every, everybody want to stand up? This is the time we're going to kind of uh, cross the aisles and say hi and and love on one another, and do some more fellowship and stuff like that. God bless you as you say hello to everybody. Blessings keep falling in my lap. It seems like blessings keep falling in my lap. I don't make songs for free, I make them for freedom. Don't believe in kings, believe in the kingdom. Chisel me into stone, prayer whistle me into song air. Dying laughing with Krillin saying something about blonde hair. Jesus, black life ain't matter. I know I talked to his daddy, say you the man of the house now, look out for your family. He has ordered my steps, gave me a sword with a crest, and gave Donnie a trump in case I get shortness of breath. I'm gone, praise him, praise him till I'm gone. Don't be mad. I'm gone, praise him, praise him till I'm gone. When the praises go up, good God, the blessings come down. Good God!
They booked the nicest hotels on the 59th floor with the big wide windows with the suicide doors. Ain't no blood on my money. Ain't no Twitter in heaven. I know them drugs isn't close. Ain't no visit in heaven. I know the difference in blessings and worldly possessions. Like my ex-girl getting pregnant and her becoming my everything. I'm at war with my wrongs. I'm writing four different songs. I never forged it or forfeited. I'm a force to be reconciled. They want four minute songs. You need a four hour praise dance performed every morn. I'm feeling shortness of breath. So Nico, grab you a horn. Hit Jericho with the buzzer beater to end the quarter. Watch brick and mortar fall like dripping water. Uh.
have something very special for you guys today. Something so special. something so special for you this morning. Um, our very own Mariel, everybody give Mariel standing up here a very warm welcome. Mariel is a beloved, beloved member of House Church. Um, her beautiful uh, wife Katie and daughter Carmen are in the house today. And um, we're so blessed to have her. We don't do this. Um, this is kind of uh, traditional to have uh, traditional to have like a special song remember back in the church where you had like a special song well that's what we have today a special music selection for Mariel um, I first heard Mariel sing um, at Pride I think it was last year or, the, or a few years ago maybe three years ago <laughs> The pandemic didn't occur. It was just last year, 2019. Um, that's how I think about time. And so this is her song today, and Mariel is going to share with us what this means to her. And um, I just hope that you enjoy it. We are going to have um, the children will be uh, re released after this, but Carmen, um, her daughter, wanted to stay in and listen to her sing. And so everybody go, ah. And so, yeah, so I don't see her at the moment, but yeah, it's coming out. So God bless you, Mariel. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. So this song is in Spanish. Um, when Bonnie asked me to sing something that um, comes from my heart, I had to pick something in Spanish because that's my native language. Uh, every time I sing in Spanish, I think of my mother and my family in Mexico, so... This is a very uh, special song for me. It translates to uh, enjoy little things, be grateful in life for simple things like our eyes, our ears, and mouth, uh, our ability to write and to spend moments with the person who's next to us. It's simple and beautiful. And here it is. It's called Gracias a la Vida. <laughs> luceros que cuando los abro perfecto distingo lo negro del blanco y en el alto cielo su fondo estrellado y en las multitudes 
es la mujer que yo amo. Gracias a la vida que me ha dado tanto, me ha dado el oído que en todo su ancho graba noche y días, grillos y canarios, martillos, turbinas, ladrillos, chubascos y en la voz tan tierna de mi bien amado. Gracias a la vida que me ha dado tanto, me ha dado el sonido y el abecedario con las palabras que pienso y declaro, madre, amigo, hermano y luz a luz, lumbrando la ruta del alma del que estoy amando. Gracias a la vida que me ha dado tanto, me ha dado la marcha de mis pies cansados, con ellos anduve ciudades y charcos, playas y desiertos, montañas y llantos, y la casa tuya, tu valle, tu llanto. Gracias a la vida que me ha dado tanto, me dio el corazón, Aguita en su marcho cuando miro el bueno tan lejos del malo cuando miro todo tanto ya y el llanto me ha dado la risa y me ha dado el llanto gracias a la vida que me ha dado tanto, me ha dado la risa y me ha dado el llanto. Así yo distingo dicha de quebranto los dos materiales que forman mi canto y el canto de ustedes que es mi propio canto. Gracias a la vida, gracias a la vida, gracias a la vida, gracias a la vida. Gracias a la vida que me ha dado tanto. Me ha dado luceros y me ha dado el llanto.
gracias. Gracias, señora. De nada. No. Well, God bless you, children, as you make your way back to Pastor Marsha, who is going to bless you this morning um, and bless you back in your space. Somebody just turn back and just bless the kids with your outstretched arm. Just say, hey, we love you guys. Bless you in your morning. Yes. May you both learn and teach Pastor Marsha. <laughs> morning. Peace to those who feel sick when they hear the word blessing but don't quite know why. Peace to the ones who have heard, bless your heart, used so many times to hurt so many people, and now you wonder if anyone ever just says what they mean. Peace to those who have never felt hashtag blessed. You who lie awake at night asking why God hasn't stepped in to help you. But what if society has gotten it wrong all along? What if the universe really is wide open to you? What if God's blessing has always been upon you without you needing to do a single thing? Because love is a miraculous thing, and it will always find you. You are the beloved in Christ. So, peace to you like extra time in bed on a Sunday morning. Next week. <laughs> like always having enough of what you need exactly when you need it. Like clear, cool water on summer vacation. Peace to you like singing your favorite song in a room full of people. Like the food a friend drops off when you are sick. And like the Red Sea parting just in time. You are the beloved in Christ. Peace to you. Come on, band. Come on up. Well, um, we have the band this morning. Yeah. And that's exciting. Why don't you stand with me, please? You know, we sing because we are people, and people sing. Um, they have sang for centuries. It is not um, specific or particular to any group of people or any religion or any persuasion. It is something that human beings do. We sing before the storm. We sing during the storm. We sing after the storm. We sing to make ourselves feel better. We sing to pronounce our faith. We sing to exclaim what we believe. We sing because we are happy. We sing when we are sad. We are singing people. That's what we do. And when we sing together with our hearts and with this band who has been so rested, they, they are rested and at peace. And because we put people first and we do not push people beyond their limits. Yeah. Um, that is the house and the culture that. that we are creating in this place. 
So Heidi, say a little bit more about that and, and just bless you as you minister to the people. Oh, thank you. Well, good morning. We're so happy to be here with you this morning, and you get to do interactive worship song with us. We chose a new song, and we actually chose this song a couple of months ago, but we've just now been able to work on it. It's called Good God, but because I am one voice and you are many, if Jessica will pull up the chorus for me, in the chorus you'll see, all that I need to know is this, and then you'll see, you are a good God. On that part, I need your voices big and loud. That way, I can sing still and won't pass out on you while we're trying to get to the next line. Does that work? So just know this is a brand new song, and we're working on it, and we're happy to do it with you this morning. So here we go. All that I have to do is rest. 
too bad for the first time. We always get so nervous when we're doing a new song, but we really love the lyrics to that. What do you think? You like the lyrics? Aren't they good? Uh, my favorite part is, and your heart beats in my chest. You are a good God. You gave me your eyes. You gave me your heart. Your spirit flows through my veins. I mean, come on. Amen. All right. Now we know you know this one too. It's one of our favorites. It is 
trust in you. The waves and winds, they know your name, comforter. The waves and winds still know your name, my healer. Your waves and winds still know.
getting some peace in here today. Somebody is talking to yourself, and you're just getting that peace, you know? You're just, you're moving through. Yeah. I can feel that. Yeah, 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 I can yeah, feel yeah. that. Sometimes you, you need to be the prophet of your own soul. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. You need to prophesy to your own stuff. Thank you, That's thank you, point. thank you, thank That's you. That's the confession of faith. That's the confession. It's the great confession. That is um, kind of what's been Christianity has been called is the great confession. We, we don't confess, so this is important. We don't confess what we were. We don't confess where we have been, but we confess who God said. And we confess where we're going. We confess where we're going. We confess what is. We confess the opinion of God over us. We say the great confession is to say the same thing that God says about you. To say the same thing. In the Greek, it really means homo logeo. It means to say the same thing as. That's confession. So it's not that you confess your sins only. That's a part of it. But then you confess God's opinion of you. Or you confess what God says about the situation. So as the beloved in uh, 3 John 1, it's, this is where this verse comes from. It is well with my soul. The writer says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So it is well with my soul. As it is well with my soul, it is well with my life. Yeah, a settled soul is a settled life. And we can meet the storms that come our way. Yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. Yes. Yes to that. You were doing some cool groove there just a little while ago, and there was some cool drums happening. Can you resurrect that? There is this neat thing. This neat thing. Mm. Just to give you another, with that in mind, with confession being saying the same thing that God says about you, that you're whole, you're complete in God. You have the mind of Christ. You have the abilities of Christ. Good. (laughs) 
I'm just letting some of my walkers get it out, you know. Some people are walking out their freedom, dancing out their freedom, shaking out their freedom. You can be seated in this house. Yes, you can. You can be seated. You guys rocked it. A warm, a warm, grateful round of applause for these people. create up in here a blessing culture a blessing culture We're talking about blessing today and a blessing culture um, we started last week with this idea of I want to bless you um, when Paul speaking to the churches that Paul started um, a couple thousand years ago he said every time that I'm with you I desire to give you some spiritual gift Something spiritual, something that could give you a grace to enable you to activate the power that is already within you. Some kind of something that would fan the flame of the spirit within you. That's what Paul desired to do. He was excellent in philosophies, excellent in the uh, teaching of the day, excellent in spiritual things. And he would all the time make a distinction that the things of the spirit are similar but not completely like philosophies. And so they collect all of it, combine it all, but the spiritual things are somewhat foolishness to the natural mind, or foolishness. Uh, we might say hogwash, hogwash, or foolishness, or ridiculous to the natural side of ourselves because these things require faith. These are not things that are only based on empirical evidence. These are not things that are only based on truth on logical discourse, but these are things of mystery. Um, that these are things of faith, and so they are inspired by faith. Um, not that you have to take it as a lie and just believe it, <laughs> this is not the this is not that but he desired to be with them that he may impart some spiritual gift um, we would say that the things of the spirit are often more caught than taught now they are taught they can be intelligible there are words to frame what we are talking about but they are spiritually ingested and so, good news, you are a spirit. Cool. So you already have the system within you to ingest the things of the spirit. So we are talking about blessings today. And with all of these words um, that we use, they have um, distinct meanings, and yet um, they are very the same. When you think about words of blessing, you also might say, grace or mercy or providence benevolence there's all kinds of ways to think about this word blessing and 
it became clear to me a couple of weeks ago that not everybody sits well with the word blessed, especially in, and so I thought, well, that seems like a soft spot. Let me go there. <laughs> Let, let's see if we can see what we're talking about when we talk about the word blessed, especially in where we are in the Bible Belt. Um, this whole idea that Amber brought up in her peace blessing today. Blessed are those who cringe at the word blessed. Blessed are those who don't know what it means to be blessed. Can we tell if someone is blessed by simply looking at them? Can we tell if someone is blessed if we checked their bank account? How do we measure blessing? Is someone blessed because they avoid catastrophe? Is blessing only for the prosperity gospel? Is blessing only something about the name it, claim it, confession gospel, the prosperity? Is it only for that kind of thing? Is this something about the secret? Is this a law of attraction thing? Is it only defined by material wealth? Is it only defined by physical health or physical abilities or different abilities? How might we define this blessing? Because if you don't identify with, as Amber said, hashtag blessed, or if you're really on top of things in life and you are hashtag blessed, what happens when the tide turns? Are you still blessed? Is blessing a feeling? <laughs> Talk to me here. Is blessing a feeling? So yeah, blessing is all over the Bible. And that is the basic text that we use in this house, is the scripture. And it's all over the Bible. And interestingly, um, I could give you a list of how many times the word blessing is used in the Old Testament. And, and I mean, it happens to be 256 uh, times that it's used. In the, did she put something up there? Okay, you just, oh, I, it was funny. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Uh, yeah, 256 times in the Old Testament, it's used um, just as blessing as an action. There's three basic ways that blessing is used. It's bless as an action, blessing as a thing. I want to bless you with this. Here's the gift. 71 times it's used in that way in the Old Testament. And then being blessed as a state of being, like you just are, like Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Like, bless this God who is in this state of blessing. That's used about 71 times as well in the Old Testament. Barak, or Barakah, um, is used in that way. So, blessing is not just a vocal um, approval. It is a thing. It can be an action. It can be a state of being. And uh, so I thought we would dig into that a little bit. What has been made clear to me is that I can 
tend to be a person that gives a list of facts to get my point across instead of telling a story. And I recognize that we are story-loving people. And so I thought I would stretch myself and give you a story to accentuate this idea of blessing because I'm much more comfortable with the list of facts. 276 times in the Old Testament, you let it go, and then, then 32 times in the New Testament, and then it's God blesses, da, 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 da. And the very first time that God blesses anything was in the first chapter of Genesis, so we know that we are a blessed creation, and humanity is all blessed from the very beginning. Okay, go home. That, to me, is enough. <laughs> Genesis 1, 27, God created it from the fifth day before you even came on the scene, before you ever had a choice about it. God blessed stuff. The Hebrew people were trying to tell us, like, this is a blessing, God. This is not the gods we fabricate in our own minds to be those gods that punish and are cruel. This is a blessing, God. It's a blessing culture. We come from a blessing culture. And so I searched my heart, and I found a story. It's an old, old story about Mephibosheth. You did not see that coming, Katie. Don't even tell me that you saw that that was the next word coming out of my mouth. Everybody say Mephibosheth. Can you say it? Mephibosheth. <laughs> yeah, it's Mephibosheth. Okay. Mephibosheth um, has a brief appearance in the second book of Samuel. The second book of Samuel is back over in here. It's right there. Um, it is a story that has captivated me for years. Um, there were these kings over Israel. You have heard of Saul, King Saul, and Saul's um, sons, Jonathan, and um, Ish-bosheth, okay? I mean, they were into Bosheth, okay? They was like, let's name him Ish-bosheth and Mephib-bosheth. Everything ends in that. Um, and the kingship would be passed on to the son, okay? And king over Israel, Saul was the first king over Israel. He was prophesied to be king by Samuel, the prophet. Um, at the same time that Samuel prophesied that these kings would come into position, um, David was a part of that lineup. David was an unlikely king. He actually was overlooked by Samuel the prophet. This is where we get that whole idea that God doesn't look at outward appearances, but God looks at the heart. That's the scripture. And it's tucked into that story about uh, Samuel looking at all of the sons trying to determine who was going to be the next king. David was uh, shorter, ruddy, a ruddy complexion. Evidently, that was something to not be desired. <laughs> That's what the scripture says, a ruddy complexion. Um, and David had an ordeal. Uh, an ordination on his life 
that he would be king. But it didn't happen for a very long time. So God's word was spoken to David um, that he would be king, but then David had to go through a lifetime of turmoil and a lifetime of fighting. Uh, this was way before David conquered the, the story of Goliath. It's before that, that David was chosen and told and anointed and told that he would be king, and yet it took him a lifetime of proving himself um, in a sense of allowing his character and experiences to catch up with his calling. We often have things that are identified in us as children, as young people, and then we have to walk it out. We have to gain experience. Though we are naturally gifted, naturally talented, or called by someone, by God, or blessed for that, we then have to walk out a lifetime of experiences to gain wisdom, gain experience. So in the second chapter, or actually second Samuel chapter 9, uh, we enter this scene where we see David taking the throne. Now, the way they talked about this kind of thing is there was a, they talked about them in houses. So you had the house of Saul that was in uh, rule, in the reign, and you had the house of David. And they were at war with one another. The Philistines were against the house of Saul, and you remember David came in at one point and saved them from their enemy. Um, David did some other things. You remember the, the song that they sang that, they, that really, really uh, angered Saul when the women that were to sing about the triumphs of the men in field, at, at field, and they said, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his ten thousands. Oh, that angered Saul so bad, right? Uh, because the women were like telling his business and the women were singing out the triumph of David before David had yet assumed the throne. So um, Ishbosheth was supposed to be, see, Jonathan, okay, hold on, we gotta go back. It was Ishbosheth, no, it was Jonathan. I don't know why it's not Jonabosheth, but I think we should say it that way. Jonabosheth was. <laughs> was supposed to be the heir to the throne after Saul, but Jonathan got killed. Jonathan David had an alliance. David had a covenant with Jonathan. David loved Jonathan more than his own soul, it said. Jonathan and David had a thing, even though they were of different houses. Um, and they had an alliance, and so David basically was displeased whenever his house would do any kind of harm or ruin to the house of Saul or David, because while Saul was always out to kill David so that David wouldn't take the throne, um, because he actually was a better leader and a better warrior than his own sons, um, his own son, Jonathan, was in alliance with David, and David loved him, and so he showed his heart when every, every time somebody thought that they were doing David a great honor by doing some destruction to the house of Saul, they would come back and look, look what we did. We, we did this disaster or killed this person. 
And David would be like, you think you're bringing me good news, but this is not my desire. My heart is not to destroy and be violent against this house. They're being violent against me, but it is not my desire to be violent against them. Things happen in 2 Samuel um, 6, 7, and 8. Um, a bunch of people get killed. It's very violent. Um, a bunch of folks in, in the house of Saul get killed. And one thing leads to the next, and this guy named, um, well, let's just call him Besheth. I don't know, Zebasheth, somebody like that. He, I think his name is Zeba. Okay, thank you. Zeba, yeah. But I like to call him Zebasheth. And so Zebasheth, he went on um, and said, David, it's your time. You have waited all this time, and it is your time to ascend up to the throne. And so David did and reigned over all of Israel. And David administered judgment and justice to all of his people. So David had waited a lifetime, had fought valiantly, had proven himself to be the king. And um, some would say that the people always choose their king. <laughs> and they did. Um, David was not the rightful heir, but David was strong and had proven himself and had won his battles. And the people loved him. And they call that the golden age. When David was king, a lot of good things happened in the land. Uh, remember, David is the one who was called a God, the man after God's own heart. So David ruled fairly. David ruled justly. Um, David was, you know, this person of passion, a person of love, also a person of betrayal. You know, remember Bathsheba? <laughs> remember about it? <laughs> you know, David was a heart of passion. David was a heart of love but he also um, did some pretty wicked things as well um, in his lifetime. However, David is now reigning. You kind of get the story. Um, I'm now in, verse, in chapter 9 of 2 Samuel. Now David, okay, so David has now come up. You got it, right? He's in his place. He has assumed his position. His character, the people have voted him in. He is there. And he says, Is there still someone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Because remember, he loved Jonathan. And there was a servant of the house of Saul, whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am at your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan, who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Makar, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Makir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Everybody say Lodabar. 
Lodabarasheth. Okay. Now, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then, said, then David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, here is your servant. Now, about this, what Mephibosheth thinks is getting ready to happen, when a house takes over another house in this day and age, they would kill whoever was left in that other house. So they did not actually think that David's intention was to be kind to whoever was left in the house of Saul because the intention is to kill them off so that they would not assume or try to take over the throne. So if you're following the story, if I've set it up right, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, who is lame in his feet, was actually the rightful heir to where David is sitting now. Ugh. Everybody say, ugh. Because Mephibosheth was actually the rightful heir to the throne. But Mephibosheth is lame in his feet and is somewhere else outside of the city at a place called Lodabar. What happened to Mephibosheth? Why did he get displaced from his rightful position? Let's keep reading. Number seven, verse seven. So David said to him, oh, don't fear. I, I want to show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore you to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Now, some interesting stuff about this story. Mephibosheth, the name means son of shame. It actually means the voice of shame. It is, Mephibosheth, every time in Hebrew, in Hebrew culture, when you called somebody by their name, you are blessing them. You are ex expounding on their state of who they are. Or you are calling them into being. You are the one of light. You are the one of position. You are the one of loyalty. You are the one of shame. See, oh, back over in the fourth chapter, in the fourth verse of 2 Samuel, it tells us what happened to Mephibosheth. He was um, five years old, and he was uh, fleeing. He was being cared for by a caretaker, by a nanny. And the nanny had scooped him up in her haste and was running with Mephibosheth and fell. And the way in which she fell, she fell upon Mephibosheth and hurt his feet to such a degree that they could never be mended. He was never right again. His name had been Meribal, the opponent of Baal. But they changed his name at that point, after he was irreparable, to the son of shame. Because he could no longer, in that day and age, take and assume his great, strong father's role. They basically removed him from his place and his setting. They removed him. They cast him out. Now, Lodabar, remember Lodabar? That's where he's living. Lodabar means place of no bread. 
it actually another place says a place of no pasture. There's nothing in Lodabar. So you now are being called the son of shame in the place of no bread. Have you ever in your life been dropped? Have you ever in your life been cared for, thought you were on to something good, and someone dropped you? <laughs> you were in the place. Now, see, Bethlehem, this is, remember how David is, is David of Bethlehem? What do you think Bethlehem means? Bread basket. <laughs> means place of bread. You remember how David, his Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley, you lead me by green pastures, by still waters. You restore my soul. David is the one, David means the one of honor, the one of heart, the one of the one of honor. It's opposite of shame. It's opposite of that. He's living in the place of bread. He's living in Bethlehem. He's living in the place of bread. He's sitting in the place that the son of shame was supposed to sit in. He's sitting in the place that if that woman had been more careful with him, if he hadn't dropped him, if he had just, she had just taken her time, if someone had who knew how to mend broken bones and put them back together, if only somebody had been there to get him therapy, if someone had been there when the trauma first occurred, then maybe this wouldn't have been a lifelong illness. Maybe this wouldn't have been something he had to be nervous about and take medication for the rest of his life if someone had been there when the boy was dropped who knew how to mend a broken bone. And there he went to Lodabar. He grew up in Lodabar. He grew up with no bread. He grew up with no pasture. He grew up with no opportunity. He grew up with no... He got married in Lodabar. He had his first kid in Lodabar. He, he did everything as the son of shame. He did it all as the son of shame, everything. And while there was a little bit of joy and a little bit of blessing when that baby came and the second baby came, maybe he learned how to deal with this way of being in this body. He learned how. Until one day somebody came. Are you the son of shame? I knew the rug was going to get pulled out from underneath me. I was just getting myself started here. I was just getting myself together. Now the king wants to call me. I'm part of the house of Saul. I know why he's calling me. He's calling me because he's going to kill me. What's going to happen to my family? He just knew it. He just knew it was over. He'd been waiting for it. The man of honor, the man of blessing, the man with sustenance, the man with a table, the man with a kingdom, the man with a palace, the man with a throne. 
calls out to the man with no bread, calls out to the man with no honor, calls out to the man with shame, calls out to the man with trauma beyond repair, calls out to the man who has been called damaged all of his life. His heart must have been beaten out of his chest. And the king said, no, no, no. Do not fear. For I will surely show you kindness. For whose sake? John's. Come on, all my Bible people. You seeing Jesus yet? You see in the stand-in, the advocate? And he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that you should look upon? Oh, oh, listen to this. What does yours say, Heidi? I mean, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as me? Can you imagine the battle in his own mind? He can't, he, he can't see anything but the lameness that is him. And the king called the Zeba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and all his house. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat, but Mephibosheth's, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. What a reverse. What a reversal of that curse. I said, <laughs> what a reverse of that curse. Mephibosheth brought out of the land of Lodabar, brought out of the land of lameness into the king's court. This is a story of the shame, the honor, the kindness, the hased. Hased is that Hebrew word for kindness. It, it's something so tender and so loving and so kind and so tender that it's, it, I love this word, it's hased. It, it's, there's not even an English word to match what that kind of kindness is. When I hear this story, when I think about the characters of this story, I don't see Mephibosheth, the shamed one, the one living in the place of no bread, the one without. I don't see that one begging, beating down the doors, trying to get the blessing. I see the blessing chasing after the one in shame. Yeah. <laughs> Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Yeah. 
Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. With my lame feet here and my trauma self, you give me everything. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. That's blessing. You cannot deserve it. You do not earn it. In your sad and lame state, it will find you. And if there be a preacher to proclaim that that blessing is yours, it will come to you while you are still a long way off. It will close the gap between where you are, maybe in your own Lodabar, maybe in your own place of no bread. It will come after you and pluck you out of obscurity and put you into a place of light and let you eat and feast at the table of belonging. So to bless is an action that's listed 256 times in the Old Testament and 32 times in the New Testament where God blesses you with action. The story is so much better, isn't it? I've been really resonating with Mephibosheth. See, I don't think there's just a one-time <laughs> uh, visit to Lodabar. I think all throughout our life, we have times where we are feasting in the king's court. And we have times where we feel like we're in Lodabar. And I know that the blessing of God is faithful. I know that the blessing of God over your life is a state of being. I know that we cannot just look at Mephibosheth and say, well, now you're living high now you don't have any problems. Of course you're blessed. No, Mephibosheth was blessed even in Lodabar. And that blessing came and found him. The end of this story goes, so Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, the land of bread, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both his feet. God took him how he was. I love it. I love it. I love it. The first actor in Scripture is God. He acts to create, form, and divide and bless. The very first mention of blessing is Genesis 1.22. He blessed it. That blessing lives in you. The preacher, the prophet, calls it out closes the gap, helps you see what you couldn't see when you were only looking at yourself in your feet in Lodabar. God bless you as this word continues to grow in your heart over the coming days. May you speak about it and talk about it. May you see yourself in the characters of this story. May you see yourself in this way. May you begin to understand the blessing of God you can go ahead and stand with me. I'm sure that someone is telling um, the children that we have just a few minutes. And um, 
Thank you, Hank. This is interactive worship time. There are cards to journal. There are rocks to drop in the vase. Every time I say that I hear the rocks dropping in the vase, I know that it means someone is laying something down. This is a time of forgiveness, a time of introspection, a time of healing, a time to interact with the word that has been spoken, a time to understand your place in the blessing. You can also worship with your giving. There's the offering over here. You can also just go on the app and give if you would like to. You can worship with the rocks going in the water, the journaling cards for writing something to yourself for a later date, putting it in the box. You can worship by putting a candle in the sand, lighting it for a little bit more light in your life. And then of course with the communion. The communion will take all together and this is an open table. This is a place where you belong. Maybe you can imagine yourself as the one who comes to the table and eats forever at the table of belonging because of the blessing that is on your life. Maybe you don't feel like you belong where you used to belong. And today you're needing a little bit of belonging. Maybe you're needing to feel like you come home. Maybe today is your first time to partake of communion today because you just want to show your body, hey body, you belong to something bigger. I know myself, I'm coming out of some places a load of bar in my own head. Coming into Jerusalem, the place of peace, the place of bread. The children will be coming in in just a moment. And so take your time going through the stations. I do want it to stay free of conversation in here. Please let it be free of conversation. As your children join you, help them to be reverent in this space. I know that it is difficult sometimes in this small house to keep an attitude of reverence, but there are people internalizing and processing and integrating this message, and I want that to happen for people. This is not a time to talk. This is a time to talk to God the time to talk to God and let God talk to you. So God bless you as you come and interact and do, when you do take the communion, take it back to your seats and we will take together when we're all been served. God bless you.
just take a moment and think about what it would be like to eat at the table of spiritual blessing all the days of your life. If you can imagine yourself at that table eating enjoying just can you imagine someone there with you someone with whom you may have a dispute someone with whom you may have contention Perhaps someone that sits across the aisle from you. Politically, relationally, socially, idyllically. Can you imagine that person joining you at the table? Maybe they have to be at the very opposite end of a hundred foot table, but can you imagine them being there? That's what forgiveness feels like. There might need to be some separation, but yet they are still partaking at the same table. Hank, if you could lower the music, please, or just turn it up. It's in contention with the music that has started upstairs and it's throwing my brain off. Thank you, Hank. Imagine yourself there. Spiritually, you have been translated from Lodabar to Jerusalem. Spiritually, you belong. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat this, remember me. How's church take and eat the body of Christ? bread of belonging and after the dinner he took the cup and he said this is my blood a new covenant in my love as often as you do this remember me house church take and drink the blood of Christ Children, you may respectfully take up the cups from your elders if you want to use this to take them. 